Welcome back to How I Deal, where we examine a single pass-close deal, why it played out that way, and provide some literal actionable sales tips that you can use in your demos and your discoveries and your prospecting today. My name is Taylor Dollum, full cycle account executive, now full-time content guy, and I'm joined by my co-host, Junior Latte, the deal magician here at Pickle. June, what's up, man? It's episode 36, rolling into a whole new year. Maybe people don't know the nickname thing. So maybe I'll reintroduce. Taylor finds like this creative nickname to give me at the beginning of every episode. This one <laughs> got me feeling like a Joe Bluth from Arrested Development, which I love that show and character. But for more context, if you don't know, he's actually a horrible magician. And at one point sinks an entire yacht that his family very much needed to sell. Anyways, hopefully I'm not that kind of magician, just like sinking the good deals. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Joe runs through a lot of mice and birds. Don't want to be that magician, but junior is quite a wizard when it comes to closing these things out, especially heading in or starting the new year here. But like you said, a quick explainer, if you have not joined us before, maybe not super familiar with how the podcast works, every conversation we chat through a single pass deal with a real account executive that's doing it day to day. They leave out all names and places, giving it some anonymity and allowing us to dive a lot deeper. Uh, all the way from the first time they saw that prospect either on LinkedIn, a competitor list in this case, all the way to getting that final signature and kicking off implementation. Joining us today is Axel Zaccardo coming to us from Copenhagen. He kicked off his sales career in the US, but has sold in multiple countries and languages. He's now crushing it at ContractBook as an account executive. Axel, give us an interesting fact about yourself. Tell us about your role and, of course, the problems that Contract Book solves today. I guess you set me up there. I can speak Icelandic, which I think is probably the weirdest language I speak because <laughs> there's only like 300,000 people who can speak that. But yeah, I guess that, that'll be my interesting fact. That's um, pretty unique. That's a good one. Yeah, for sure. I have not sold to anyone in Iceland yet, but fingers crossed. Got the ability. Tell us about your role and that book and the problems they solve. Yeah, so I'm in AE here. So I'm fortunate enough that I have quite an extensive BDR team as well as we have a really nice marketing department. So I don't have to do too much of my own outbounding. Um, I basically just focus on demos, closing deals, and managing my pipe. That said, I do about one to two hours of self-prospecting a day because being targeted always leads to better deals. Axel, what deal are you walking us through today? This one's a goodie. I basically got a company that does EV, like EV cars. They created an app essentially that works with a lot of partnerships so that you can basically, rather than having to pay each time you're charging your car, you just pay for this one system, this one subscription, and you can charge it at multiple ports. So it was a really unique company. And the reason I basically found them out was because I was sold to one of their competitors quite recently. And I was able to basically find a search and I was like, okay, this was a perfect ICP customer for us. So why don't I try to find people who do a similar thing and attack them? What was like company size, stakeholders, and maybe like the team that was influenced that you were selling into? Yeah. Company size was around 200 to 250, I'd say in that range, like mid-market. Um, the personas was head of operations and CFO, although we did 
influence the sales department. That, but the people who I was actually selling to was yeah, ops, ops and finance. Ops people sounds fun because I feel like they have the mindset. Okay, I want to improve processes. I want to like make more efficiency, help everyone like be better at their job. So selling to that type of like persona, I feel could be awesome. But then you also have the clash of the CFO in this deal, which may get interesting. Where they're like, ah, but budget. But budget, what's the price? Let's tailor it down, make sure it makes sense. So I think between the let's optimize everything and how much does it cost, this could be an interesting conversation. Tell us how you found out about this company and the research that you typically conduct or conducted here before reaching out. Yeah. As far as research, right? I recently closed a deal that came in actually through our inbound funnel for a company, like I said, in, in the EV car space. And I felt like it was a really great use case. So what I did was go onto Sales Navigator and find similar companies. And then, yeah, basically did some research into their tech stack, found out who I felt like would be the most appropriate people to, to approach, and then just started attacking them. The relevance here is right? Let's say you close Pickle, then you go to SalesNav, you type in Pickle and you search competitors of Pickle. And now you've got a list of leads of a similar deal that you've just closed. I think every account executive should be doing this. It seems so simple, such an easy way to one, just generate a quick list, but also you just close something like this. Maybe you've built some momentum in talking about their specialty, what they do, how they do it. And you can really start to build out strong use cases, three, four, five deals in to this type of technology, this type of service. I also got a quick question, right? In trying to find out the tech stack, is that something that you do like before every call or was it just this one that you're like, maybe knowing the tech stack would be more relevant just because of this vertical? Usually I try to, if I can find out as much as I can about their tech stack before the call, even though I do usually ask about that during the disco calls, it's nice to already know beforehand what you're getting into. And maybe you can actually use that in your, in your approach when you're outbounding. Yeah. I will say I had a conversation just yesterday where we didn't integrate with any of their tools, right? I was like, Hey, what's your CRM? They're like, and I was like, Yikes. Okay. Are you using Google Calendar? They're like, actually Outlook. And I was like, well, I don't know how fun this is going to be for you, but (laughs) if you want to move forward, it's going to be bumpy. So knowing that beforehand, yeah, could have helped a lot. Preface myself actually, because that was a bombshell of a call. (laughs) No, but definitely. I mean, that's happened to me tons of times. And then you finally get an understanding of if I actually knew what I can integrate with, that might make this call a lot easier than yeah, approaching somebody that you already know. I can't help you. So actually, that kind of leads us into the next part here. But you know, it seems like there's a strong reasoning to, to reach out, right? You're aware of the company, you've done your research, but at the same time, you do have to get your foot in the door in some way. What did prospecting this actual prospect look like and how did you approach that? So this one was a bit funky, which is kind of one of the reasons I chose this as well. I usually am a cold call guy, but I could not find for the three people that I really wanted to get in touch with any of their phone numbers. So I thought, you know what, I'll add them on LinkedIn, wait a week, and then I'll send them a cheeky message. And that's what I did. He happened to respond. I, I sent him something like, your competitors just signed with us. They're, they are facing these problems. We're saving them X. Want to chat? And he responded, I remember this because I was in the morning, I was on the Metro on my way to work. And he responded like, not trying to get sold. Thanks for the communication, Axel, blah, blah, blah. I fired back with something else. 
he came back to me with, okay, how are you better than DocuSign, which was their current solution? I wrote him this novel with hyperlinks and all these great things to like how we can, we're 10 times better than them. I'm sure he didn't read it, but he just responded with his meeting link. And yeah, I was, I was pretty stoked. So then I just booked it in for as quick as possible. Super straightforward, right? Hey, we saved them this much money. You probably want to stay at a competitive level with them. I don't know, worth a look. Obviously there's some back and forth there, but I would take that interaction <laughs> any day over, over other prospecting approaches. <laughs> Definitely. Very little rapport building, but straight to the point. <laughs> In my mind too, as soon as he responds and says, how does it compare to X tool? Then it's like, okay, game on. You know, exactly. like this is like the strategic aspect of sales. This is like the reading the signs, trying to understand why would someone ask me this question? Okay, maybe they really do have problems. What are the typical problems that we can solve that our competitors, the tool he's using, can't? And responding with some of those might be helpful. Also, if this is your third or fourth deal into the same vertical with the same type of tool, you can also drop lines like, well, they struggled with. X, Y, and Z. Is that the case for you? Am I in the ballpark? And give yourself some leeway there. So that could be, obviously he booked some time here. Maybe he read the novel, maybe not, but I am in favor of once the conversation has been engaged, like over communicating. I think it's great. I see a lot of posts about like too long, didn't read. And I'm like, yeah, maybe for your first like email. But once we've engaged, let's get some exactly. context out there. Let's have a real conversation because we really do solve problems. We can provide you with real value here. You get the meeting link, you book some time. What does discovery look like? So the first disco, of course, I mean, we're coming off the back of this very quick conversation where I'm telling him I'm going to show him and deliver him value. So he was not too excited to go, I could tell from the beginning of the conversation, into this really long disco with me. I think I only got a book in like 20 minutes into the schedule. So I did about five minutes of peppering with as many questions as I could before I felt like I was pissing him off. I jumped into the demo and I just basically showed him exactly what I thought would be his issues. It sparked enough interest. He was like, okay, this is actually something quite relevant to you. Why don't you send me more information? We can pick this up at a later date. And then I was like, no, absolutely not. Like you've already said this is relevant. For this department, you already pointed out an issue here. Let's not get into this weird email exchange. Let's book a proper full-on demo, 45 minutes with you, me, and some of your stakeholders. When do you, they have some time? We sat there, shipped through our calendars. And then that led to the second call, which was an actual where I had time to do proper disco with them. Did about probably 20, 25 minutes where I was just pushing more and more questions as much as I could down their throat to figure out why they agreed to this, take this call with me and how can I help them? Respectfully pushing, right? Respectfully pushing. <laughs> uh, what was kind of the main problem after doing some of that digging and discovery? What was the main problem that surfaced? So they'd been growing very rapidly over the past two years, like a lot of companies in the EV space. And there was a huge disconnect between their sales department and their finance department, being able to make sure that things were standard, standardized on their sales team, that things were getting properly handed over to their finance department. Um, this is something that Contract Book can help with by being able to integrate with your CRMs, with your accounting tools, your invoicing tools, and things like that. And they had no process really for it. They weren't even they they had Slack and they weren't even really using that. They were sending each other emails. It was a mess. 
that's a horrible place to be disconnected, especially as a sales rep where I've sent an agreement, they've signed, and now, you know, okay, here you go, finance, like this thing is done, pay me, you know, I want my commission. So if there's a gap in the handoff between this contract was signed, we need to get them billing, they need to pay before the onboard, all this, right? There's so much friction. There's all these other pieces. I imagine like there's times where I've even lost a client here where it's like, ah, just I've signed, but it took too long. There's too much friction. We didn't get a booking link in time, whatever. So yeah, solving that problem could honestly be huge. Like not just in the efficiency, but making sure that the deals that are signed on paper are also paid for in the system. Yeah. Um, and in the correct way, right? So one of the things was they were constantly going through, it was a lot of partnership agreements as well. These different changes between their structure of their order confirmations. And so they were charging people different amounts or different subscriptions or one-time fees or no one-time fees. And yeah, this was just creating hell for the finance department, being able to create, you know, keep track of anything. Yeah. sounds miserable. So towards the beginning, you've got just the one call with the one guy, right? And as you're talking with him, I love that you also do a mini demo, right? It's like, let me like cue this up and just show you enough value to get you to the next step. Because sometimes that is necessary, right? Like people, you're cutting into people's day. You're cutting into what people typically would be doing if they weren't talking to you, which is their job. And, um, you do have to be a little bit prepared to like, I'm going to try to spend five to 10 minutes, get as much info as I can, and then quickly show them what I think may solve the problems based on those five to 10 minutes, which obviously you did really well. And we're able to book the additional meeting and pushing for that meeting too is also important. It's like those next steps should never be, Hey, I'll drop you an email and we can figure out what to do next. Right. Okay. That deal's dead. That's where like most yeah, deals. You're taking die. the. You're, yeah. You're taking your percentage down of like getting that next call just from not. If you're not asking, like if you're not asking, you're losing that battle. Right. Yeah. So you got to at least ask. And if they say no, maybe ask again. But yeah, in email, what ten percent of the time they get back to you on some next steps. If you're just sending emails, it's. This is a classic example of knowing what next steps need to happen and making sure they do, as compared to letting the buyer dictate fully the journey and saying, Hey, what do you think we should do? And of course they're going to say, well, email me, you know, exactly. want to commit to the next thing. You got to get them there. Right. And you got to respect, of course, a lot of companies, especially as you go mid-market and enterprise have their buying process, right? We need to do this. We need to do that. And yeah, sure. Show respect for that. But you got to say, look, this is what's got us and our customers' success in the past is by having these meetings. We can push it out to X and Y date. That's fine. And if it doesn't happen at this time and we need to push it, that's great. But I'm very keen on making sure I set these placeholders in so that we both have something to be aiming towards. And yeah, that's what a next step is. And I think you know we've kicked out blogs about a junior. And at this point in time, we've had a few different pods about it, but it's that concept of having a framework for that follow-up, but also at booking that time before the end of the call, but being prepared in those last five minutes of uh, what was the framework that Zeke talked us through the as discussed, as promised, as delivered. But that concept of just keeping it super organized, straightforward of here's everything we talked about and here's what's happening is crucial to closing these deals. Now, I think actually you mentioned, obviously, the quick five-minute uh, walkthrough demo, really light 
in terms of feature discussions, but you did have that second conversation or the much deeper demo. Like, how did you keep that personalized? And maybe how did you illustrate the story and speak to their problems in terms of how contract book can solve them? Yeah. So this was why it was so important for me to get off the deal that I'd done before. I was able to basically understand, okay, this is what their tech stack looks like. This is what the workflow we built for their competitor looked like. I basically created basically a diagram of what the workflow we made for them was, changed their logos and the picture. And then when we got into the meeting, I was able to really walk through and talk through that. As well, I have some of the integrations built already in my demo environment. So I was able to virtually show them that. But as I remember, most of the call was just communication. They were these are head of operations and CFOs. They know what we're talking about. Like they're very quick. So yeah, prepping for that, making sure I had a proper workflow that I could actually show them, okay, this is what your new reality should look like. Not could look like, should look like, because the one they already had was crap. When you can illustrate it without... I think this is the stage where we've seen sales reps come to the call with a slide deck, right? And it's like this like 10 to 15 thing on the problems that we can solve based on kind of the conversation that they previously had. Whereas you come prepared with, here's your broken process. Here's the new process. Let's move forward. Right. And it's great to have this type of buyer where you don't have to click every button through the demo, right? You can jump in and show them and they see the platform. They're like, looks like it's got everything I need. What's the new workflow? and you show it to them, it's obviously better. I also think when the pain is so prevalent, it's totally fine to do discovery and demo in the same call. There's times where I've been talking, chatting with someone, they'd walk through like their note-taking process and what they do. And I'm like, okay, like 10 minutes into the conversation, I'm like, just that alone is enough for you to invest in Pickle. Let me show you exactly why. And we'll jump in and go through and they're like, Damn, that is right. And we don't have to spin the wheels 20 minutes of discovery, schedule another call, do a whole nother demo. You've already spent the wheels with the other person too. So it's important to like get to the point of the call, yeah. which is your process will be better. We're going to save you time. We're going to close that gap. After you go through these this demo stage, it seems like it's pretty smooth sailing. You've been decently assertive. What are... Did any barriers come up? What are any challenges you faced? Well, of course, the main one and the most common one was price. This is because they had no budget for a tool, right? So I'm talking to the head of finance and he's sitting there like, okay, how can I exactly calculate the ROI on this? And with our tool, there are straightforward cases where we can say, okay, it's X amount of time these employees cost X amount of dollars. So then it's very simple to figure out the ROI. This case, not so much because it was moving between so many different hands. But once we were able to basically be like, look, here are so many things that have costed you over this year. It's worth, it's already worth way more than our tool alone. So price is no issue. Then they were able to take that to the board and do a budget. The other biggest, let's say, obstacle was the person who was not involved in the call, who usually is, or at least has some input, is the head of sales. So this was going to affect the sales department and their workflows. And their head of sales was actually on holiday at the moment for quite a while. And I didn't want to lose momentum on this deal. So I said, hey, does he have five minutes of time where I can send him something short and he can watch it and see if he likes it and give you guys the thumbs up, thumbs down? They said yes. 
I recorded a five-minute Loom video of me showing what his new workflow would look like. He watched it like four or five times and yeah, gave us a green light. Axel, was that your idea to send like the five-minute Loom or was that your prospect's idea? That was my idea. I love that because it's like getting a little bit uncomfortable, right? Someone is on vacation break. You're like, I want to respect that. But at the same time, like we are, we're doing real things here in sales. It's not just like this fun game that we like to play. Uh, And this is the strategic side that account executives can bring to the table. Like this is a big barrier. The person that needs to see it can't see it. And Uh so you're like, how can I get them involved in the lightest way possible? But at the end of the day, get a thumbs up from them. And you did it. You did it perfectly, right? A five minute loom, look through it. If the buttons look good, if the process looks good, if the platform looks legit, just give me the thumbs up and trust that the rest of your team who are not idiots also know that it looks good enough to move forward. Exactly. Exactly. And you're talking to, uh, he, he's head of sales, right? We obviously respect people's time off, their vacation, what have you. But I was like, it can't hurt to ask. Can't, five minutes out of this guy's day, I'm sure he's already keeping up with his team anyways. We're all salespeople notoriously cannot take time off. So I thought might as well shoot my shot. Yep. Axel, when you... Say it's a five minute loom. How many how many takes did you try? <laughs> at least yeah, at least five. It's not, it's not a dozen. It's a forty five minute loom, but you got <laughs> five minutes of it. <laughs> exactly. That was always my biggest thing. Is like I love making custom videos, but it's you know sometimes you want to get it so perfect it's a pain in the ass. But the value you deliver, like Junior's laying out, is massive, and I think that's a fantastic idea that any AE listening today should absolutely utilize. Quickly walk us through the, maybe like the timeline recap, some of the aspects or stats, if you will, of how many months meetings we're talking about, how many text calls went back and forth, and maybe also give a behind the scenes perspective of how you manage a deal personally and keep yourself organized when it comes to all the stakeholders, all the different points of the sales process that you got to orchestrate, so to speak. Yeah. It was a pretty quick sales cycle and where our sales cycles probably on average are between one to three months, depending on the company size. This was probably around two to three weeks, which is why I was trying to push so fast. It was actually heading to the end of the quarter, end of the month. I'd cleaned out most of my pipeline and I was like, this is the last thing I think I can get in. Let's go. How many emails? I would say probably around 20-ish. A bit of LinkedIn messaging at the beginning, but after that, we kept it just over email Managing my pipeline, I'm my RCRM's HubSpot. I'm all about working in your CRM because it makes the handover a lot easier, mm-hmm. right? Once my CS department's in there, I like pinning specific nodes and you know, keeping things quite organized. The ultimate team player living in your CRM. <laughs> That's surprisingly rare for this podcast. Most people have like chicken scratch handwritten notes and all kinds of different That's apps they're using. But <laughs> I love their traditional. All my colleagues. I just live in my CRM. <laughs> yeah. I do what I'm supposed to do. I think that's what you mean. <laughs> awesome. What are three things that any sales pro can do today to inch closer to close one on some of their deals? I think we were talking about a lot this call, just be pushy. Of course, there's limits to that. Nobody wants to be sold too much by the used car salesman. But I think you have to, in this job, ask for the deal, ask for the next step, ask for, okay, I've proven you that this brings value to you. Why are we waiting? Do we really want to wait until X, Y, and Z? Let's get started. 
would definitely be number one. The second one would be being authentic. I think a lot of people in sales too can tend to be like a little bit uptight, maybe a little bit too, almost too professional. People know that they're getting sold too, right? So you don't have to come in this staunch suit. It almost, I think, rubs people the wrong way. I feel like if you want to show up in a hoodie because that's what you normally wear and that's what you feel comfortable in, do it that way. So yeah, be authentic. And also in the same way you communicate, right? So if you are a funny person and you like to make jokes, then do it in your emails, in your LinkedIn. I don't see anything wrong with that. I think it'll close the deal better. And then, yeah, the third one would be just don't future sell. Nobody cares about what your product can do. They only care about what they've set out to either solve, if that's an inbound, or if it's an outbound, you need to establish some type of understanding of what they're probably facing as an issue and how your solution can solve that pain. If they want to go through the features with you because they want to see all the nooks and crannies, they're a very techie person. Yeah, sure. Show them in the demo, but yeah, really don't feature so. Axel, it's an awesome deal. At the top of the podcast, we talked about punching into SalesNav, a recent deal you sold that company's competitors, which is something that I think like I myself, I'm going to revisit that today because it just makes a lot of sense. Not that I've been closing a ton of deals, but looking at the history of who I've sold can be really powerful and getting more of those deals through the door. That alone is like, man, that's just a golden nugget, solid advice. I love that. Thanks for joining the How I Deal podcast. It was great to have you. Yeah. Thanks guys. It was a pleasure. Yes. Axel, thanks so much for joining us. And just like that, another episode of How I Deal is in the books. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. Hopefully you find some value and can use some of these tips that Axel's dropping on us in your deals today. We will see you next time.